WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another segment of the Marian Hour. I'm Father Dwight Campbell, the pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese of Lisieux parishes in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, just to the, to the north here over the state line. And <clears throat> I'd like to invite you to join me for an opening prayer as we begin this hour. My favorite Marian prayer, we'll, we'll pray together uh, the Memorare in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Angela, we are on the cusp of, of uh, a great feast, beginning, well, if you want to take it liturgically this evening, but especially through tomorrow. And I'm sure you know what that is, correct? Yep. What is it? <laughs> it is the Incarnation. Yes, well, the it's Annunciation. We call it the Feast of the Incarnation. Pardon me, the Feast of the, the Annunciation. Annunciation. Uh, that's that's how it appears on our calendars. But um, the feast is also celebrating the Incarnation because with the Annunciation, the angel, Archangel Gabriel, announces to Mary uh, the greatest news that the world had been waiting for that she will be the mother of the Son of God who would become flesh in her womb. And Mary gives her fiat, let it be done to me as you say. And at that moment, the greatest event in the history of the world takes place. The Son of God becomes man while remaining God. The Word becomes flesh, as St. John tells us in the first line of his Gospel. So, <clears throat> to begin to talk about this feast, which I'll talk about today, uh, I'll, I'll say this, that it is the fulfillment of all the prophecies from the Old Testament. I mean, the beginning of the fulfillment, okay? Uh, it's not only Christ's incarnation, but his, his birth, his suffering and death on the cross. But this begins the, the fulfillment the fullness of time, as St. Paul refers to in Galatians 4.4. 4. Um, the fullness of time when the Word becomes flesh. And the first announcement of the Incarnation is seen right after the fall. Okay. And that is known as the, the Proto-Evangelium from Genesis 3, chapter 3, verse 15. 
God speaks to the serpent, I will put enmities between you and the woman, between your seed and hers, and she will crush your head. Okay. Or he will crush your head. You can translate it either way. And from that point on, we see the unfolding of God's plan in the Old Testament. But today I'd really like to focus on um, a prophecy from the Old Testament that, well, a couple of prophecies of the Old Testament that relate directly to the conception and birth of our Savior. And one of these is um, is the prophecy, the great prophecy made by Nathan, who was King David's prophet. Now, King David lived a thousand years before Christ. King David was from the tribe of Judah. Okay. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you go back to Abraham, the father of our faith, Abraham's wife Sarah, they have a son who is Isaac. And Isaac has a son named Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel after he wrestled with an angel all night long because Israel, El, short for Elohim, one of the Hebrew names for God, he who wrestled with God's messenger all night long. And Jacob, Israel, you know how many sons he had, Angela? I don't. How many? You do know. They're the tribes. Oh, the 12 tribes? Yes. So oh, okay. Jacob, Israel, had 12 sons. These are the 12 tribes. And if you go to the penultimate chapter of the book of Genesis, that means second to the last, chapter 49, you see Jacob's last will and testament, his testament. Okay, he's, he's about to die, and he speaks to each of his sons. And to the son Judah, he says this, You, Judah, shall your brothers praise your hand on the neck of your enemies. The sons of your father shall bow down to you. Judah, like a lion's whelp, you have grown up on prey, my son. He crouches like a lion recumbent, the king of beasts. Who would dare rouse him? The scepter shall never depart from Judah. Now, what is this a reference to? This means that Judah, from him, is going to come a line of kings. His brothers, the other, the other tribes, the descendants of these 12 brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel, are going to bow down before him like a lion, he whelps, okay, lion, the king of beasts, and the scepter, who holds a scepter, a king, and he even makes this prophecy to Judah, he tethers a donkey to the vine, in wine he washes his garments, his robe in the blood of grapes. You know, very appropriate, what are we celebrating this coming Sunday? Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Okay, he tethers a donkey, Jesus rides a donkey into wow. Jerusalem, wow. and he... Uh, the wine he washes, in wine he washes his garments, his robe, and the blood of grapes. The blood of grapes. Well, Jesus' body was, was torn to shreds in the horrible scourging. Then he's clothed. That clothing of his becomes drenched in blood. 
and he changes wine into his blood the night before he dies. So all this is very prophetic. Anyway, I mentioned Judah because the prophecy that kings would come from Judah is fulfilled beginning with, guess who? I spoke about him a few minutes ago. The king a thousand years before Christ, Jesus' ancestor. David. David, yes, who was from Bethlehem. Okay. So David succeeds. Do you know who David succeeds as, as king? The first king of Israel was Simon. not. No, that's his son. The first Saul. king of Israel, Saul. Saul. Yes. But he was from the tribe of Benjamin. He disobeyed God. He lost the kingship. And David was chosen by God to be the king that succeeds Saul instead of Saul's sons. Okay who should have succeeded him. No, Saul lost the kingship, and David begins this line of kings, the Davidic kings, and, well, this fulfills in part the prophecy that Jacob or Israel made to Judah back about 700, 1,700 years before Christ's birth, okay? About 700 years before David comes along. So David is the first in the line of, of kings from the tribe of Judah. And from David's line will come the king of kings, our savior. How do we know that? That's what I'm about to get to today, okay? So This is so amazing, Father. Well, the, you, you, if you read the, the, the whole Old Testament unfolds like this, okay? So, uh, you go to the second book of Samuel. If you have an older Bible, um, you know First and Second Samuel in the Douay Rheims Bible are First and Second Kings. You have Third and Fourth Kings, and in in our New American Bibles, the, the, the more modern Bibles, you have First and Second Samuel, which which take the place of as a title of those books, First and Second Kings, and then you have First and Second Kings, which are which would have been third and fourth kings in the old, like a Douay Rheims Bible, just so people know if they want to follow along, okay? But in the second book of Samuel, or older Bibles, the second book of Kings, okay? Chapter seven, you have David. David's settled in now. He, he has, you know, taken over the kingship, and he's united all the tribes of of. Israel, his great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, and um, they're all settled in different areas in the Promised Land, okay, the different tribes, except the Levites, because they were priests, they never got their own plot of land because they're serving at the temple, okay, but anyway, um, or they would serve at the temple when it was built, okay, it's not built yet, that's through Solomon, David's son. Anyway, so David he has conquered the pagan tribes all around him and united all the tribes under him, his kingship. He, he settles in what city? Do you know what city he's in? <laughs> Not Bethlehem, right? Well, he's born in there, yeah, in Bethlehem, yeah. which is just south of, of the, the, the city where, where the kingship resides. That is what's the most prominent city in, in, in Israel. It's it is Jerusalem, yes. So David's in Jerusalem. 
and he has rest from you know from all his enemies and David builds he he has a palace for himself the king's palace and then he has this this bright idea that he will build a house for the Lord meaning the ark of the covenant which has been carried around for hundreds of years now uh, beginning with Moses from Mount Sinai okay they built the Ark of the Covenant it's carried around in the desert once they move into the promised land for a couple of hundred years that it's it's the the Ark of the Covenant has dwelt in a tent starting from the time of Moses so David he's looking around him and he says you know I'm in this palace but the the Ark of the Lord is in this tent I'm going to build a house for the Lord he announces this to his prophet Nathan and Nathan like a, a good prophet you know he's oh, good good idea King David yes build a house for the Lord you can build a temple to house the Ark of the Covenant that that chest of cedar wood or acacia wood covered in gold had the you know the uh, cherubim on top with their wings spread uh, that contained the Ten Commandments so Nathan goes home that night and uh, God speaks to him and God says that I'm quoting now from chapter 7 2nd Samuel verse 4 that same night the Lord spoke to Nathan and said go tell my servant David thus says the Lord should you build a house for me to dwell in I have not dwelt in a house from the day on which I led the Israelites out of Egypt to the present, but I have been going about in a tent under cloth. In all my wanderings everywhere among the Israelites did I ever utter a word to any one of the judges whom I charged to tend my people Israel to ask why have you not built me a house of cedar? Then the Lord continues to Nathan. Now then, speak to my servant David. The Lord of hosts has this to say. It was I who took you from the pasture. Remember, David's out, you know, pasturing the sheep when he's Samuel the prophet calls him at the Lord's command to anoint him when he's only 12 years old. Okay, then he defeats Goliath. He grows up, eventually becomes king. And uh, the Lord continues speaking to Nathan. He says to Nathan, tell David this, the Lord reveals to you, this is starting at verse um, 11, the Lord also reveals to you that he will establish a house for you. Now, what type of a house is he talking about? Not, not a, a building. He's talking about a royal line. Now keep that in mind because you're going to hear these words repeated in a few minutes, okay? The Lord will build, establish a house for you. I will raise up your heir after you, sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. It is I who shall build a house, pardon me, it is he who shall build a house for my name. I will make his royal throne firm forever. Then verse 16, your house, your kingdom shall endure 
forever before me. Your throne shall stand firm forever. That's the prophecy that all the Israelites knew so well that revealed that the Messiah would not only be um, a Messiah for the people, a Savior, but also a king in the line of David. So they're, they're waiting for the next thousand years for the Messiah to come who will be in the line of King David because of this prophecy. Every Jew knew this. Keep that in mind. Now, we go to the Gospel of St. Luke because this will be our Gospel tomorrow for the Mass. And keeping those words in mind, I just read, okay, this is what the angel, Archangel Gabriel, announces to the Blessed Virgin Mary, okay? Well, St. Luke tells the story that in the sixth month, this is chapter 1, verse 26, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, okay? Joseph was from the house of David. That's clear. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he greets her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. She was greatly troubled at what was said, pondered what this greeting might be. The angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. Okay. Now those are almost the exact words that the prophet Nathan spoke to David a thousand years before. Wow. Mary knew those words. She knew what this meant. Okay. Wow. Now we'll continue with this after our break. I see it's almost 20 minutes into our hour, so we're going to take a short break. We'll, we'll, we will be back. My name is Father John Grigas. I'm the rector of the Shrine of St. Max and Colby at Marytown. I'm a priest, and as priests, we are responsible for forming you in the presence of Christ through the sacraments, through the preaching, through everything else. But you are the Christ who goes out into the world and brings the good news. And WSFI is one of the main means. And so God bless all that WSFI does. And please support WSFI in whatever means that you can so that this wonderful station may continue to broadcast the good news and evangelize our culture. WSFI 88.5 FM. Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family 
Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell back for the, the second segment of our Marian Hour. And if you're just joining us, Today, on this eve of the great feast of the Annunciation of the Incarnation and Birth of our Lord, I'm talking about the, the feast that we're going to celebrate tomorrow. And I was giving a, a great uh, or a commentary on a great prophecy of the Old Testament that we see uh, unfolding in the Annunciation narrative from St. Luke, uh, which is the gospel for tomorrow. Uh, just to recap briefly, um, a thousand years before Christ, King David, who was from the tribe of Judah, to whom was promised that from Judah's descendants would come kings, okay, David is from the tribe of Judah, a thousand years before Christ, and David, after he has defeated all his enemies in what we would call the land of Israel, all, all the tribes are united under King David, and David announces to Nathan, his prophet, that he will build a house for the Lord to house the Ark of the Covenant, that chest of acacia wood covered in gold, inlaid with gold, that contained the Ten Commandments. And Nathan is told by God that night that, no, you go tell David he's not going to build a house for me. I'm going to build a house for him, meaning a royal line. I will raise up an heir after him, make his kingdom firm, his royal throne firm forever. His house and his kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall stand firm forever. Those words spoken to King David a thousand years before Christ, all the Jews were now waiting for a Messiah to come from the line of King David, a Davidic King Messiah. And so the Annunciation account from St. Luke, I'll read it again. Okay, um, The angel Gabriel appears to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The importance of that term house. He's from the line of David. Jesus, um, he, he receives his royal dignity as a descendant of King David in his human line from St. Joseph, who is from the house of David. That's why they had to go register for the census in Bethlehem because Joseph was from the line of David. They had to go to their ancestral home. So continuing with the Annunciation account, no hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And the angel announces that Mary will conceive in her womb and bear a son, shall name him Jesus. 
He will be great, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Okay. So this is clearly a fulfillment, almost word for word, of the prophecy made by Nathan to King David a thousand years before. Every Jew knew this by heart. Mary knew what these words meant when the angel announces this to her, okay? And um, so what does she say after, after she first questions the angel? How can this be? I've taken a vow of virginity. The angel assures her that uh, she will conceive by the Holy Spirit. I like to, you know, consider the boldness of Mary to say that. You know, I've, I've taken a vow of virginity. How is this going to happen? I'm open to God's will. If you want me to have relations with Joseph, I will. But, you know, this this young maiden, she, she uh, this young virgin, she wants to maintain her virginity. The angel assures her, you'll still be a virgin, Mary. The, over, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. But this boldness of Mary is striking. Well, then, after the angel reassures her, and she uh, she then utters her fiat, okay? May it be done to me according to your word. And at that moment, the greatest event in the history of the world takes place. The word, the eternal word, becomes flesh. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, becomes man while remaining God. Now, what does that mean? Well, um, we call it the incarnation. Incarnation means enfleshment. Carne, think of carne from, if, you, if you're a Spanish speaker, carne means flesh. And <clears throat> um, in the Latin, incarnatus est was made flesh, the same thing. Okay. The eternal word, who is of the same substance as the Father from all eternity, he is eternally begotten by the Father. The Father begets the Son eternally and forever and always. As we like beget ideas in our mind with words, the Father, knowing himself perfectly, begets the Word eternally. The Father always knew himself perfectly. That knowledge is so perfect in God, it is another person. That is who the Word is. So, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's what St. John tells us. And then the Word became flesh. This was God's plan from all eternity. The Word would become flesh. This happens when Mary gives her fiat by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean, the incarnation? Well, that um, God remains man while remaining, God becomes man while remaining God. What does it mean to become man? What does that mean? To take on a human nature. What is our human nature? What does our human nature consist of? Yours, mine, Angela. What do, what do we have? What's a human nature? A body made and soul. A body and soul, correct. So the physical part of us is the body, the soul, the spiritual part that God creates at the moment of conception. God creates a completely unique individual, a soul. 
infuses it into the matter, the sperm and the egg, they come together. So uh, with Jesus, his human nature was created, okay? didn't always exist. And <clears throat> his human body, his human soul. And with our soul, the spiritual part of us, what are the two great powers of our soul? We have an intellect. And a will. To think and reason, a rational intellect, we call it, okay? And a free will, which is why we are made in God's image. We can think and reason, and we have a will that is free to choose, to love, to hate, okay? Obey, disobey. Jesus, in his human nature, which was created, was, of course, this goes without saying, but I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to say it anyway, uh, was, you know, was created without original sin. He's God, okay? So um, that, that um, creation from, from the Holy Spirit, taking his nature from Mary, though, okay? His human nature from Mary. Um, this is why Mary is, is conceived immaculately, because she has to be sinless. She's supplying um, the human nature to, to Jesus, uh, her, her flesh and blood, so to speak, okay? And uh, as they say, uh, you know, uh, uh, water running through a dirty pipe gets dirty. Well, in God's plan from all eternity, the incarnation would take place through Mary and Jesus had to be sinless, so Mary is sinless. It is fitting that, that the Son of God should take flesh and dwell in the womb of his mother for nine months before she gave birth in a spotless, sinless virgin. She was preserved from original sin. See, all of us, when we're conceived, okay, we are conceived and then, and then original sin is washed away in baptism. With Mary, she never contracted the original sin, preserved from original sin, because she was going to be the mother of God. But back to Jesus now. So with the incarnation, you know, Jesus, you know, he is conceived in Mary's womb. His human nature is conceived. But the divine person of Christ always existed. Now here we get into some hard, you could say, um, uh, substantial Mariology, pardon me, uh, Christology. And so with, with Jesus, um, he takes the human nature, he is the eternal word, he is the second person of the Trinity. We have to keep that in mind. If you keep in mind he's the second person of the Trinity who becomes man, okay, that means he takes the human nature, unites it to his person. Jesus is only one person. He's not a human person. I'll repeat that again. He is not a human person. I'll repeat it a third time. He is not a human person. That would be a heresy to say that Jesus is a human person. That Mary only conceived the human person of Jesus and didn't conceive the eternal word. That's what Nestorius taught, a heretic, back in the 5th century. The Council of Ephesus, 430, condemned that heresy. 
saying, no, you can't say that Mary only conceived the human person of Jesus and the divine person united himself with the human person you know, at Christ's baptism in the Jordan. No, 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 no. We can call Mary truly the mother of God because she conceived the Son of God who became man, who united a human nature to his person. A human nature with a body, a soul, with a human intellect, a human will. But in the divine person that Jesus has, he's the second person of the Trinity, he's got a divine mind, a divine intellect, infinitely knowing everything, okay, and a divine will. So Jesus had two intellects, two wills, okay, in one person. This is something we believe on faith. Yeah, fully God and fully man. Yes, yeah, we yeah. cannot understand this. Two persons. Yeah. Okay? We cannot understand it. It's beyond our grasp because after the Trinity itself, three persons, one God, okay, uh, not three names for one person, but three individual persons. The Father begets, the Son is begotten, and I'll complete it now. The Father and the Son love one another from all eternity and from their mutual love proceeds the third person of the Trinity from all eternity, the Holy Spirit. That's why we profess in the Creed that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. But with the Son, we have um, uh, the second greatest mystery of our faith, the Incarnation. How can God, remaining God, take a human nature to himself and unite it to his divine person? Okay? There is no human person. So this, this, we, we say the, the existence of Christ's human nature is, is upheld, you could say, by his divine person, which is, you know, we're getting into philosophy here, and St. Thomas Aquinas has a great explanation of this. So... Um, so Mary really conceives the word. She is truly the mother of God, understanding that she didn't uh, that that the second person of the Trinity did not begin his existence when Mary says yes to the angel. Father, when he was crucified, what happened to the divine person? Well, the the divine person. So that continued to live. Well, of course. Well, so, the human, did, so, so the human well, so person the, died. Well, so the, the human person died, but his human soul continued to live. His human soul as yes, as and his divine, his divine person. Now, this is. I'm glad you asked that question because this is this is part of good Christology. Okay, at Christ's death, his human soul leaves his body. Yes, but his human body remains united to his divine person. That's why there's no corruption in the body. Wow. His human soul is gone. That's what happens when a body dies. Right, the when, separation of the body from the soul. But right. his but his his divine person oh, wow. maintained that union with the dead body of Christ and his human soul. And then when you and then so it's, it's so the human soul in the, in the divine person of Jesus, okay? Jesus goes to the 
the dead in, in the limbo of the just, he descends into hell. We, we call this not hell proper, but where Abraham, Isaac, you know, uh, Moses are, all the good and holy souls, they're waiting in, in the limbo of the just. Jesus goes to them and announces them that he has, he has died. Okay? He doesn't go in a body because his body's in the tomb. But he goes in whatever, however they recognized him, okay? The second person of the Trinity with his human nature announces to these souls waiting, I've freed you. So now. was Joseph there? Well. His father? Um, we, we think yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, but if you want to do, it would be okay to say that, that Joseph was even assumed body and soul. At the time, the dead when they said when he died, he dies, the dead, yes, uh, yes, yes. Okay. But, just but the gates of heaven aren't opened yet, so until open. Christ dies, and that, that's why he goes to 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 limbo. Okay, the the limbo of the just and and tells them that that um, that he has freed them, and then on Easter Sunday, that's my question. Yes, so what the happened? human soul, okay, unites again with the body, I and see. the body vivifies again. It comes to life. Okay, it's never been decaying. Because it's united with, in a substantial union with the second person of the Trinity. Okay. So Christ comes to, to life again. His human soul animates his body once again at the resurrection. So was it the human soul that caused the Shroud of Turin that they said it's the image is light? Well, well, well we, we don't know. I mean, that's, that's divine what would, power. What would you say? I would say that's the divinity, not, the, not the human soul. That's, that's the divinity of Christ, sh you know, blasting forth this, wow. this light. But I'll tell you what, we're, we're almost, almost at a time break. for a break. I'm going to continue reading from uh, a great sermon from Pope Leo the Great in which he explains the incarnation uh, and, and uh, this great mystery of how the Son of God becomes man and, and you know, tr true God, true man. Pope St. Leo the Great, he's called the Great because he, he gave great, great sermons and great homilies, great talks, great writings. Uh, we'll return on that theme after a short break. Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MATT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services not available in all states. Building homes, building community, building hope. Habitat for Humanity Lake County welcomes you to serve God's people. We invite you to build and rehab homes with Habitat for Humanity right here in Lake County. You can also donate and purchase building products, newer appliances, and non-upholstered furniture to the Gurney Restore. For information, visit HabitatLC.org. That's HabitatLC.org or call 847-623-1020. Ave 
Well, good afternoon. This is Father Dwight Campbell joining you for the final segment of our Marian Hour on this eve of the great solemnity, high feast, you could say, of the Annunciation, the Annunciation of the Incarnation and Birth of our Lord. If you're just joining us, uh, just to recap, I was showing how in the Old Testament uh, these great prophecies were fulfilled of Um, the word becoming flesh, especially of the Messiah coming from the line of David. Nathan's prophet, pardon me, King David's prophet, Nathan, a thousand years before Christ lived, prophesied that from David would come a royal line and the scepter would never depart from that line. His kingship would stand firm forever. Those are the exact words which the Archangel Gabriel quotes to the Blessed Virgin Mary that this this son she will conceive is is uh, from the line of David and he will reign on his throne forever. So um, I'm going to talk about just briefly here um, one other one other great prophecy of the Old Testament that was fulfilled at the Annunciation when the Incarnation took place, when Mary gave her fiat. And that is from the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah is uh, the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament. He had the most prophecies about our Savior, not only his conception and birth, but his suffering and death on the cross. In fact, this this coming Sunday, on Palm Sunday, we'll be reading from the prophet Isaiah, in part from, um, I think it's chapter um, 49 or 50, uh, about how the Messiah would be a suffering Messiah. Isaiah prophesied this. But more linked with the feast we're celebrating tomorrow, the Annunciation, in chapter 7 of the prophet Isaiah, verse 14, we have a great prophecy made by Isaiah with these words, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Okay. Well, uh, Isaiah made this prophecy in the 8th century before Christ, and <clears throat> The virgin he speaks of is the Virgin Mary. She shall be with, she shall conceive, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, Mary conceives Jesus at the Annunciation, on Annunciation Day, and she gives birth to him nine months later. And actually, this is a, a a testament that Mary would conceive the blessed the blessed virgin Mary would conceive Jesus as a virgin and give birth to him remaining a virgin the virgin shall conceive and bear a son so she remains a virgin bearing this son Mary is a virgin conceiving Jesus that's clear from St Luke's gospel the angel 
announces to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Uh, she is a virgin in giving birth to him. She remains a virgin. Her virginity remains intact, and she's a virgin ever after. She remains a virgin, has no other children. And some people try to object and say, oh, this, this prophecy of, of Isaiah, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be Emmanuel, that this refers to uh, the son of one of the kings of Israel that Isaiah was speaking to. Well, no, properly it refers to the Virgin Mary. Uh, the, the Greek Septuagint translates the Hebrew word Alma, which can mean just um, a young unmarried woman, not necessarily a virgin, but also could mean a, a virgin in the proper sense. The Greek Septuagint translates the, the, the Hebrew word Alma in the Greek uh, translation, which was the official translation amongst the Hebrews, okay, as Parthenos. And there's only one meaning to Parthenos. It means virgin and how we understand virgin. And we have a confirmation of this in St. Matthew's Gospel because St. Matthew quotes in reference to Mary being the mother of Jesus, the words of Isaiah the prophet, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So we have a, a confirmation of the right interpretation that Mary is that virgin who conceives Jesus while a virgin and gives birth to him as a virgin. Now, I, I promised Angela that before, uh, before we took our break that I would be quoting from <clears throat> from a great prophecy of, pardon me, not a great prophecy, a, a great homily, or actually this is a letter from Pope St. Leo the Great, okay? And <clears throat> he's talking about the, here, the, the incarnation. And <clears throat> this is what he says to help us understand this great mystery, Okay. To pay the debt of our sinful state, a nature that is incapable of suffering, what type of a nature was that? A divine nature. Because as God, he has a divine nature. Okay. All-powerful, co-eternal with the Father, all-knowing. Okay. <clears throat> so, a nature that is incapable of suffering was joined to one that could suffer. That refers to the human nature. This is why the word becomes flesh, because he's in God's plan, suffering and death, the punishments for original sin would be the means to redeem us. Okay? Beautiful paradox. Okay? The punishments for original sin, suffering, God promised Adam, you, you eat that fruit, you're going to suffer, you're going to die. Okay? <laughs> That's what happened. <clears throat> so, in God's plan, the punishments become the means of our salvation. But a nature incapable of suffering, the divine nature, is united to a nature that could suffer. That's his human nature. Thus, Pope Leo continues, one and the same mediator between God and men the man, Jesus Christ, was able to die in one nature, unable to die in the other. 
to see. So your question, Angela, was perfect in the first segment, okay? <clears throat> you know, he can die in one nature, he can't die in another. Yes. He who is true God was therefore born in the complete and perfect nature of true man, whole in his own nature as God, whole in ours as man. And Pope Leo continues saying, Jesus, or the Son of God, took the nature of a servant without stain of sin, okay, meaning he took a human nature without a stain of sin. He couldn't have sin. He was God, and he received his human nature from Mary, okay? She was preserved from sin, the Immaculate Conception, okay? So he took, a, he took the nature of a servant without stain of sin, enlarging our humanity without diminishing his divinity, in other words, when he became man, he didn't diminish his divinity at all. It remained just the same. Okay? He continues, he emptied himself, though invisible as the Son of God. He's pure spirit. Okay? He made himself visible with the human nature. Though creator and Lord of all things, as God, he chose to be one of us, mortal men. This was the condescension of compassion, not the loss of omnipotence. Okay? He didn't lose anything of his omnipotence. Omnipotence means what? Omnipotent. Potent means powerful. Okay? Omnipotent. God is all-powerful. He didn't lose any of his omnipotence by becoming man. And yet this was a condescension, a condescension of compassion. Why did God do this out of compassion for us? Okay. To suffer for our sins. Okay. As Isaiah the prophet says in chapters, especially chapter 53, he took our sins upon himself, our guilt he took upon himself, paid the price for it. Okay. Pope Leo continues, so... He who in the nature of God had created man became in the, in the nature of a servant man himself. Okay. So as God, he creates man, he creates the human nature, and he takes a human nature, a created nature, which God creates when he's conceived, to make himself a servant, okay, or a slave, is another term. the The Greek is doulos. You can translate it servant, slave, both. Okay. Thus, the Son of God enters the lowly world, says Pope Leo. He comes down from the throne of heaven, yet does not separate himself from the Father's glory, or his own glory. In fact, he will suffer on the cross. This is his glory, because he glorifies the Father by his obedience, okay? He is born in a new condition by a new birth. He was born in a, in a new condition for invisible in his own nature, divine, he became visible in ours. Beyond our grasp, okay, we cannot see him or 
you know, understand God in his divine nature, okay? Invisible in his own nature, he became visible in ours. Beyond our grasp, he chose to come within our grasp. Existing before time began as the eternal word, he began to exist in a moment of time in his human nature. The fullness of time. You know, I mentioned earlier on St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God chose a woman. Um, uh, and uh, let, me just, let me just read that from Galatians. But what does that mean, the fullness of time? Well, the fullness of time was meaning that um, all of creation, the whole created universe, achieves its pinnacle at the incarnation. I see. Yeah. And St. Saint, Saint Paul makes reference to this in Galatians when he speaks of the fullness of time. In the, um, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to ransom those under the law so that we might receive adoption. Now, it's interesting, the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman. Why doesn't he say born of the Virgin Mary? Woman. Woman goes back to Genesis. Genesis. Mm -hmm. Yes, she's the woman. She's linked with the, the son of God from all eternity, okay? And um, I think next time, the next, I was going to do it today, but there was just not enough time. I'll talk about the Franciscan thesis, which is um, that you know, the idea that Mary being united with, with Jesus from all eternity in God's plan of redemption and salvation of the human race. And, uh, but this is the fullness of time, okay? So... The word becomes flesh. Well, what's another word for fullness again? Fullness, uh, the, the, the height. The height the, of time, the, the, the pinnacle the, of time. The pinnacle of time, yes. Okay. Yes, the fullness of time. You know, the, 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 because the, it was the, missing something before? Is that what they're trying to say? And, it was short and, before without and, Jesus? Yes, and, and Jesus is the, all of creation is, is, reaches its, its pinnacle in him. Okay. And... So uh, interesting. Yeah, and, and that's part of the Franciscan thesis. I'll, I'll talk about that the next time. But anyway, I want to continue just a couple more lines of Pope Leo here because it's so beautiful. He says, um, okay, existing before time began, he began to exist at a moment of time, the fullness of time. Okay? Yeah. Lord of the universe, he hid his infinite glory and took the nature of a servant. What does that mean? Well, you couldn't see the divinity in Jesus. If they could, they wouldn't have put him to death. So, um, continuing, he says, Incapable of suffering as God, he did not refuse to be a man capable of suffering. Immortal, he chose to be subject to the laws of death. Okay. Each nature exercises its own activity in communion with the other. The word does what is proper to the word as the as the God all-powerful. Okay. 
The flesh fulfills what is proper to the flesh, able to suffer and die. But because he's only one person, that suffering and death takes on infinite value, pays the price for all of our sins, okay? Merits grace for everyone. Every sin, God wills that all be saved, okay? So, as he says, one nature is resplendent with miracles, divine, he can perform miracles, okay? The other falls victim to injuries, okay? One and the same person, Pope Leo says, is truly God, the Son of God, and truly the Son of Man. He is God in virtue of the fact that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is man in virtue of the fact that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay. Now, I'll finish here. Just uh, I'm going to repeat the words <coughs> of the Archangel Gabriel because every Catholic has to know, to be a good apologetic person, uh, where the Hail Mary comes from. The angel Gabriel, hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, says Elizabeth at the visitation. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. And through the intercession of the sorrowful, and Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Most Pure Heart of St. Joseph. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at WSFIPodbean.com.